Well, good morning, church. Um, it is so good to be here. I am only awake because I'm standing up. Um, last night, you know, most people around 10 o'clock last night, y'all probably like, all right, we need to get ready for our day. We'll make sure everything's ready for lunch and all this stuff. Or don't worry about lunch. We're going to Mexican tomorrow, you know. And it, at our time of night last night at 10 o'clock, we started our neon party. And then that's what we did at 10 o'clock. And then that ended in somewhere around 1130. And then we uh, continued on and had a Jesus party after that. And then I had to deliver some ice cream sundaes uh, to one of the girls' houses um, just a little after 12. And then we continued on and I get a text going, we don't want to wait till tomorrow. I was like, no, we're doing baptism tomorrow. Like, no, we want to do it today. So I was like, all right. Um, I think there's some church people that got a hot tub. So we went over to somewhere else around 1 a.m. and did a baptism over at the Peace House, which was awesome. And uh, the Lord has just continued to work all the way um, to today. Um, this room will be flooded here in a minute um, right after church with just teenagers all wearing this shirt of Be Relentless. Um, I want to share so you understand um, a little bit where student ministry is and also um, just ministry as a whole. One thing that our team always talks about is um, generational ministry. So I always want to make sure even my high schoolers, some of you have high schoolers who pour into um, Crest Kids and the younger kids, and they're there every week. They're over there right now serving. And I was like, hey, you know, with Relentless Weekend, you get like a week off. You don't have to serve. You just come to 11 o'clock service. Of course, you know what they said. No, nah, I'll get dropped off early. I need to serve at the 9 o'clock, sir. I was like, okay, that sounds good. I was giving them a, a, an out to sleep in a little bit. And, uh, man, they just love serving. And then I tell our college students, hey, you need to be pouring into a little bit younger person. And then I tell myself and other people our age, we need to find someone about 10 or 20 years older to be poured into us um, because that's the process of discipleship. You need to understand that you'll see students, we taught a lot this weekend of the power, and I'm not anti-technology. Um, I'm just like anti-foolishness and anti-stupid and anti-waste of time. I tell teenagers that all the time. I am pro-technology, but um, journaling, the lost art of sending someone a letter in the mail, the lost art of knowing where your Bible is at all time, um, the lost art. This is not my personal Bible. Um, I have a student that was like, I don't have my own Bible. I was like, well, come to church. I got one for you. Um, all our students, we really, really challenge them to have God's word um, like it's the most important thing. Nobody ever forgets to charge their cell phone. Um, no one ever forgets where they lay things down, except me. I, I lost my keys like 19 times yesterday. And I'm telling you, the other thing we gave them, um, and some people were like, what in the world? You're not going to get these football players. You should see. Um, we gave them all journals that said, be relentless. Um, and, of course, I made them feel bad a little bit. I was like, if you love Jesus, you'll use this. But, man, it's telling you it's also a strategy to stay awake when you haven't slept in three days. Um, it's a strategy, and, and I'm telling you, just, just some of the things that students were writing and some of the notes they were taking was, was just phenomenal. And I'm going to start um, before we get into James. We're going to be in James chapter 4 going into chapter 5. Um, so we'll be in chapter 4, verse 13 in just a second. But I shared this with our students, and I want you as parents in our church um, to, to just to hear what my heart is. This is one of my journals. I think I have like, I don't know, 13 or 14 journals um, that are full, and, and I had to start a couple of new ones. This one, which is everyone in this room, won't 
this will not make me sound old, okay? But when I used this journal entry with students, they were like, what? Because it was all the way back in 2007. And um, they were like, whoa, you have a journal from 2007? I said, yes. I was a freshman in college, okay? Um, January 1st, 2011, I wrote this. I need to do something now. What am I going to do to change this world? What am I going to do? I need to do it now. God is for me. God is committed to me. God is ready for me. God is right here. God is for me. What am I going to do about it? There's nothing else I can do with my circumstances. There's nothing I can do to freak out about my um, self-control issues and my discipline issues. I'm just going to decide today to choose him. I'm going to decide to make a difference, and I'm going to decide that I am free, and I will make disciples, and I will, Luke Ayers, duplicate. I'm all in. This is something that I was struggling with, and it was a journal entry, and one of the reasons I save it, because it is priceless to me, but this is full, and I have like 13 others that are full. I want you to take yourself back as we study God's Word. Take yourself back, maybe before 2007. Take yourself back to when you were 19. Take yourself back to when you can barely remember, and it works hard. You got to work hard to remember where you were. Now, some of you in the room are uh, were not believers in your young years. Some of you were not, you didn't grow up in church. You had a broken home, or maybe you just didn't understand the power of God's word. But something that we're going to teach all the time is going back and remembering where we were, who we are now, because that is how we're going to be able to see where God's going to take us. So flip with me um, in your Bible to James chapter 4. And I'm just going to start in verse 13. Um, I'm real big with myself to just hide in Scripture. So I'm going to stay right there, and we're just going to read all the way through, okay? Um, It'll be up here on the screen with us. Um, This is the English Standard Version. Verse 13 says, Come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. And instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will live and do this or we will do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do fails to do it. For him, it is sin. Now, keep going. Remember, in in, in the Bible times, people did not break it up and organize it for people like us, okay? These are writings that kind of went together. So the section there continues in chapter 5, says, Come now, you rich, you weep, you howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Does any of that sound familiar? People are just like, oh, woe is me. I don't know what I'm going to do today. I don't, I don't know where I'm going to go. Some people just need to stay in bed because they have this idea that the day I step my foot out, the world is against me. Well, if you're a Christian, read your Bible. Yes, it is. People will read the Bible. Some of the teenagers were talking. I'm like, look, everybody gets confused. You read the Bible, and it talks about, oh, the world that is against me. I'm like, guys, 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 I don't know where your teacher, your coach, your vacation Bible school teacher lied to you. It ain't going away. People think like, oh, I can't wait till I turn 20 and the enemy leaves me alone. Does anybody feel like the enemy just leaves you alone? Okay, good, good. We're about to be friends. Because if that is the case, I'm doing something wrong. Scripture continues to say in verse 2 of chapter 5, your riches have rotted and your garments are 
eaten up by moths. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat of your flesh like fire, and you have laid up treasure in the very last days. Verse 4, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which kept by fraud and crying against you, and the cries of harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence, and you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Verse 6, to end this, you have condemned and murdered a righteous person. He does not resist you. Now, let's step away from James for just a second. This is a lot of power and a lot of truth and a lot of things that we currently struggle with. But the big idea of this message is stop making decisions, leaving God out of the equation. Stop making decisions, leaving God out of the equation. We need to take serious consideration before you move out of Noonan, Georgia. You need to make serious consideration before you discipline your children and maybe discipline them in such a way that does not match the offense. Aren't we glad that Jesus does not discipline us based on our offenses? This is a big deal. We need to take serious consideration because our foolishness and our poor decisions leave long-lasting consequences. I've seen this even, I'm not going to bring my other journal up here today, of the consequences that my foolish actions have taken. I told the students, I said, you need to be able to share what the Lord is doing with you. And then you have that journal that you don't want your mom to find. It's okay. And then I had to explain to some of the boys. So men, let me just tell you this. Quit holding everything inside your head. You can't hold that much. You're not that cool. You're not that tough. You're not that brave. You don't have that much courage. Everyone lies to us. Um, and I, this is a side note. For everyone who is, can hear my voice in the hallways and at home and on Facebook and in this room, one of the worst things that is demasculating and one of the worst things that we can do in our country is to make a man or a woman feel some type of way that God did not intend them to. You ever coached? You ever coached ball? Have you ever been to a to a to a game, a little league game? My nephew had a little league game yesterday, and when I hear someone, "Come on now, don't go, don't, don't run like a girl," what is that supposed to mean? All my sisters can run faster than me. All my sisters, look, I have a twelve-year-old niece. I swear she could be a D one athlete. She could throw a football better than me. And I'm sitting here going, "It's this confusion that we start with children, and then." Parents come to me. I don't know why my kid is acting like what. Look, I've only had him for a year. You had him for 17 years. Like, we have to really consider our words and be careful when we put certain things. Scripture's talking about this is in, in chapter five, it was saying, What are we saying about righteous people? What are we saying about good people to make us look better? This is the warning. This is the warning. Sometimes Jesus is just saying, we just need to keep our mouth closed. We just need to, like, not worry about that because my words are not going to make any of this situation any better. Let me give you a little homework. Um, all my students have uh, their journals with them this morning, and I would say this. Write down two things. So you can pull out your phone or if you're taking notes, write down two things, plans or a hope that you have for your life. Now, this is a little bit of confession time so I can see everybody here. Have you ever felt this, or have you ever said it to someone with your mouth? Now, don't get your hopes up. Confess. Have you ever said that? Have you ever felt that? All right, I'm going to do this, but like, all right, I'm not going to get my hopes up. 
okay? That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not in the Bible. Scripture is clear that we should step forward in faith and get our hopes up. So I'm telling you right now, I'm not. this is not a rhetorical preaching moment. Get out a pen, find a piece of trash paper somewhere, get your phone out, and I want you to type up, write up a hope that you have right now, a plan that you have right now, and I'll tell you this, it is just a dream until you put a date on it. Then it becomes a goal. I think if the enemy, how many of y'all would agree with me that the enemy is strategic on how he attacks you? The enemy is strategic on how he attacks you. James is clear about this. So let me ask this. If the enemy is strategic, what do we should do? what should we do? Get a little more strategy in our step. Get a little more strategy on how we wake up tomorrow morning. Get a little more strategy on where we vacation and where we eat dinner and where we go to the gas station. I mean, this is a big deal. There are times I will pass 17 restaurants, nine gas stations, because there is this one place that I feel like the Lord wants me to see that worker one more time. They actually smiled last time I talked to them. This time, they might give me a little info. There are strategies that we can do to reach people and to keep ourselves accountable, to keep our standards um, where they need to be. So if the enemy is strategic, we need to be a little more strategic in how we do things. Jesus begins this section of the words. I mean, James begins this section of the words of come now. So when are we supposed to do that? When? When? Now. Now, this is a struggle, okay, for students. How many of y'all believe this if you're a parent? Delayed obedience is disobedience. That's what my mama always told me. She wanted, she wanted now, not later, not in a minute, but mom, mom. She would give me that look, like, hold on. Surely you're not about to ask me something. You know that, you know that mom look? Some of y'all have, like, the mom finger. My mom had this, like, look of, like, looking into my soul. <laughs> like, I'm just going to backpedal slowly smile and say, yes, ma'am. My dad said, I'll live longer and happier. And it's one of those things that's just like, it's the now mindset. Then how come some of us just don't do things now when God tells us to do them? It's not now. It's not later. It's not, let me pray about it. And I know this is weird to say in church and I'm a preacher. Some of y'all pray too much. Like what I mean, it's like, Lord, I'm just praying for this blessing. I've already got it. Just, pre just prepare for it. Lord, I just, I just need this in my life right now. I know. No, you don't. Some of y'all are praying for a, a blessing or praying for God to show you something. And he's like, I have shown you. I have given you a command. What are you waiting for? Let's go now together. I've taught this all weekend that discipleship is not a meeting with a manual. It is not just a meeting where we circle up, get a manual. That does not duplicate. Discipleship is me and you going on a journey with Jesus. A mentor, Benny Prophet, has been teaching me that for the last few years. It is just a journey with Jesus. Do you want to go? Because my journey's crazy. <laughs> You're going to get left behind. You're going to get in my way. We're going to hurt each other. It's okay. We'll just do this together. Journeys are messy. Journeys are wild. Journeys are adventurous. This is what discipleship looks like. Now, coming through in verse 13 of chapter 4, it's like, what are you considering? Are you considering anything? Other parts of the scripture says, before you build a house, have you ever, <laughs> wife time, the women in the room, has your husband ever tried to build something and like think they don't need help? They have like YouTube university, they'll learn, okay? <laughs> You're laughing because it probably fell apart. Um, or how many of you, raise your hand, um, have had a garden, but like it didn't do too well? 
You're like, I'm not doing the one this year, okay? Because, it's, look, it's easier to go to Kroger or Publix, you know, or some of you fancy people that go to Aldi. Like, it's, it's okay if you're not good at something. Stay in your lane. But what are you going to consider? If you want really good okra, you better start right now getting the dirt ready. You better start turning it. You better do whatever it takes because I'm a farmer, and I like not going to Aldi in Publix. There's some weird people in there. No offense. I'm just saying I like to go out, and if I want good vegetables, I'm going to get it. Here's what's crazy. Any of you, uh, Mr. Tim, you know this. Any of you see okra about to grow and you think, man, I need to go pick that. What happens when you wait two days? It ain't, it's not edible. It's, it's been on the stock too long. There's, there's a whole other sermon in that. Some of y'all are waiting for the harvest and it's sitting there and you're just, ah, I'll do that later. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Well, let me tell you, that is going to be gone. That is not going to be usable. The harvest is now, church. The harvest is right now. And going down and when when the transition goes from James 4 into James 5, it gives us basically, Scripture does two things. It goes philosophical, honest for a minute, and then illustrative. It gives this philosophical idea of this bogus assumption of life. Of like, you assume the world, when you wake up in the morning, owes you something. This is not, this is not the way. We taught students this weekend that back in the day, in the Bible times, people would just consider, oh, those are those people. What people? You know the ones that are following? Following what? You know, the way. That's what they were called. Christians, way back when, were just called followers of the way. Because it was so confusing and counterculture. Church, are you doing anything that confuses people? Are you doing the things that look like everybody else? We need to be counterculture and be followers of the way. The way, the truth, the life, no other way. This is what we're talking about. And this is a huge deal for the next generation. This is a huge deal because of our country is not liking the way we do things. The country does not like the way we pray, the way we speak truth. Some people don't like the way you post on your Facebook. But we have to be followers of the way and be counterculture in the things we do, how we spend our time, how we spend our weekend, and how we spend our money. I've heard it said this week, man, that we need to spend our weekends. We need to spend our weekends creating the life God wants for us instead of spending the weekend running away from the life that we have. And I was like, whoa. And then I decided, I don't know what a weekend is. My week don't end. I'm just like, what is this thing, weekend, this word people talk about? You know, and it's one of these things is God did not create us to get to Friday and go, oh, thank God. Oh, my gosh, it's Monday. This is, this, God did not create that. Our fast-paced, crazy, ridiculous life mixed with the culture created that. And I've been so encouraged this week by the people who have come on board to say, we're about this. We're about the next generation. Chapter 5, it talks about the symptoms of decisions. Have you? <laughs> My dad always says, man, it really stinks getting old. My dad has 22 grandchildren, um, two great-grandchildren. Yeah, I think that's right because there's a couple on the way. And we have a really big, crazy family. Um, and he's only 66 and it's just a crazy time. And there's all these things. Uh, some of you are like, what? I know, I know. My family is very biblical. And 
what I'm saying, these things that people, their symptoms, some of y'all will get that in a minute. There was children in here, okay? There are symptoms. Some of y'all, y'all realize you have a symptom when you wake up. You're like, oh, what is, what is that? You know, it's just a symptom of what? Something else going wrong. Or it's a, some, it's some of you men, you wake up and you're like, God, don't sleep in your chair all night. I tell my dad all the time, he's like, man, I'm sore today. You slept in your chair all night. I know, I know what you did. You didn't get a good night's sleep. The reality is there's always something. It's usually just a symptom of what's really going on. Some of us have symptoms like, I need to go to the doctor, right? But Scripture's talking about there's these sim- symptoms of bad decision-making. And we can prevent. That's one of the things I started doing in my life. Instead of putting Band-Aids when I'm bleeding out, I decided I'm just going to start doing some preventative measures. So where are you at with some of these preventative measures? I'm going to go with you to the Old Testament real quick. Psalm 119, um, and we use this as an example this weekend. Psalm 119, verse 105, it's a really, really long uh, psalm. Uh, Take your time and read that uh, this week. But it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my what? To my path. Now, I learned this about lamps. And I know this is like Luke Ayer's redneck version. But when you put a lamp on, how much light does it put out? Not much. It puts out light right here. Not like these fancy LEDs. It's just a lamp, a lantern. Can you imagine going out? I take students sometimes, and some adults, if they're brave enough, down. Um, I'm a certified rescue cave uh, cave rescuer, and we'll take kids for fun and go on these missions down underground, and, and it's crazy, and we give them headlamps. But the, we always teach the safety part is you can only see what's in front of your feet. That's right here. That's right here. That's it. Scripture says that. David was sitting there going, your word, your word right here is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But what we want is a bunch of LED, you know, truck lights to show me the future. Show me tomorrow. That's not what the word is. The word shows you right here, right now. Give us this day or what? Are you sure? Some of y'all living like give us this day our monthly bread. I need to know what's going on next month. Give us this day our next September bread. Give us this day our daily bread right now, right here. Our, 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 our lamp is just for what's here. Let me, I'll tell you this. Y'all do realize that Jesus is the only one who lives in your tomorrow. So stop worrying about everything else. He's going to prepare you for the tomorrow. Quit worrying about everything else. You worry about the decisions you need to make to be prepared for tomorrow. You need to be ready for what God does later, but be okay for what he's doing now. Y'all know, some of y'all are under pressure. We deal with different pressures in our life. This is what I just want to say this. I feel like the Lord's, someone needs to hear this today. There are two different types of pressure. There are pressure that smothers us, There's pressure that crushes us. There's pressures that crush things and make diamond. That's not what I'm talking about. Then there's pressure like going to the chiropractor. Then there's pressure that releases what's inside of us. God has some pressure on somebody in this room today. God has some pressure because there is something inside of you that God is building up. There is something inside of you and God's just taking you through a little season of pressure because it's ready to come out of you. 
who you are, whose you are, exactly who God prepared you to be, that's coming. But your God is only right here in front of your feet. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. So be okay with taking a step because you know what's great? The lamp goes with you. And I can see a little bit more and I can see a little bit more. And this is where God has us. This is where we want you to be relentless. If God's love for you is relentless, why can't we just step it up a notch and be relentless? You know, before David went and killed Goliath and chopped his head off, y'all need to read that version of the Bible. Before he was ready for that, he was taught how to fight lions. He was taught to fight off the wolves. He was taught to protect his sheep. So God's teaching you to do some things because there's a giant coming. I freaked out the, stu the students this weekend. I, do, I said, students, you realize the worst thing that's ever happened in your life has not happened yet. That's shocking when you tell somebody that. I said, y'all ain't, ain't been alive long enough. The worst thing. I told them, like, Luke, where, how are you the way you are? I look at some of you, if you're gray-headed in the room, I love you the most because I got something to look forward to. If you're gray-headed in the room, I tell people, I know why you are the way you are. You've had a lot longer to sin than I have. You're laughing because it's true. I tell students that all the time. God's doing something right now, and I'm telling you, revival is here. Revival starts now, but it starts with spirit-filled people. So will you be relentless? Will you step forward? Will you say yes to God? And will you quit worrying about tomorrow? Pray with me. Jesus, Lord, I know that you have a plan. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that people would say yes to you, that they would be powerful and ready and understand exactly how great you are, God. Let us just be ready for who you are. Prepare us for the tomorrow. In Jesus' name.